0: A lot of people think that this is about my cruise pursuits, and it is not. I mean, many in your audience will forget more about cruising than I'll ever learn.
1: Welcome back, everybody. The DCL Duo podcast. And tonight we're excited to have a special guest on. The podcast we have here is about Disney Cruise Line, but Sam and I are pretty excited about cruising in general. And so we thought, who better to bring on to express the joy of cruising than the author of the book titled The Joy of Cruising, Paul Thornton. Paul, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. I am glad to be here.
1: Well, really excited to talk to you, Paul. Most of the time we ask our guests sort of what's your Disney background? Now, I I know you're living in Florida, so you probably have some exposure to Disney, but do you get to the parks much? Have you sailed on the, the cruise line at all?
0: Yeah, so I've been to, of course, I've I've been to Disneyland in California a couple of times, then to Disney World several times, and I I only live three hours away. So I'm pretty familiar with the the Disney Park. And then I chose Disney Cruise Line as the line to introduce my grandkids to cruising. We went on on Disney Dream five years ago. No surprise, they got hooked on cruising and, and have been my cruise partners on every cruise we've taken since
1: then.
2: Yeah. Well, Disney is a great way to, I think, introduce young ones to cruising for
1: sure. Well, let's talk a bit about your book, Paul, because that's what we're here to sort of chat through. Sam and I both read the book. I, I reread it here in, in advance of uh, recording the podcast because I wanted to refamiliarize myself with some of the stories in it. What was the inspiration for the book?
0: Yeah, I I cruise at least once or twice a year. And I'm one of those people, you know, I have to research to death anything I'm going to spend money on. So in the process of doing consumer research for cruises on, you know, on like the discussion boards, you know, uh, Cruise Critic and the Facebook cruise groups and all that, you know, I found myself fascinated by what I was reading on the various cruise forums and, and cruise groups. And I became intrigued about the cruise community and came up with the idea of perhaps sharing what sounded like their very rich story. So, so I really started off doing research, but I ended up doing more of, of uh, learning about other cruisers than I, than I did about you know, the cruise I was about to go on. So that's where I got the idea. I, I, I was on one discussion board and and someone just just asked a question about how often do you all cruise? And some of the responses just blew me away. I mean, I was hearing people talk about they cruise, you know, 12 and 15 times in a single year. And, and then I was reading, you know, I would be like someone would say, well, right now we do about five or six cruises a year. But when we retire, we're going to really ramp it up. And I'm thinking they are already retired. <laughs> so so I, was just, I was just amazed by this, this subculture. And, and in fact, one of the first people that I signed up to be in the book, I was on a Facebook cruise, and he made a post. He said, just got back from our 11th cruise of 2018. And this was like the middle of the year. He said, only 10 more to go Yeah. <laughs> And I stopped counting after about 800 comments, Uh, comments like, you know, hey, get a life, buy a boat to comments like, hey,
2: you're blessed. That's awesome. For our listeners who haven't maybe read your book yet, I'll just explain that it. This book is a, I'll call it a compilation of profiles of different cruisers. Most of these people, not everyone in the book is an avid cruiser, but most of the people profiled in your book are avid cruisers. They come from different walks of life. Some are entertainers. Some are just regular people. Some are bloggers, influencers, just a really interesting mix of people, but really interesting uh, profiles in this book.
0: I'm glad that you said that because a lot of people that this is about me. This is about my cruise pursuits, and it is not. I mean, many in your audience will forget more about cruising than I'll ever learn. <laughs> uh, so it's,
1: it's well, and and what I like is that you took a focus on the people and not the like. I think there's a lot of there's a lot out there in the community that's focusing on the ship and what's on board the ship, but in some ways, it's the people. There's fascinating people that you meet on board. a one of the profiles you did, I think, was um, I'm forgetting the name of the person, but they they made the comment, you know, there's the, the travel and they like they traveled a lot in cars as kids. And they said the thing that they liked about cruising was that the pain of getting from place to place in the car, you could kind of entertain yourself a little bit. But on a cruise ship, you could you could you could mix and mingle and, and have fun. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's so much about the people. So I like the people focus of it.
0: it to, to add to that, you know, when you say it's about the people versus cruising or the ships, you know, you could read this book. Even if you've never cruised before and don't plan to cruise because the characters are just so interesting.
1: I have to call out the one chapter that always, well, I think it's like the first chapter that hits really close to me is the runner. The guy who's running a marathon on every cruise ship because I'm a runner. And I look at that and I've gone, I've been running on cruise ships. I cannot imagine putting down 26.2 miles on a cruise ship, let alone as many times as he has. And so it was just really fascinating to read.
2: See, and to me, I would say the the godmother, that, the woman from the UK who had never cruised before, but became a go- the godmother of a, a ship. I thought was that was a really fascinating read, particularly because she was not a cruiser.
0: And I had a ball interviewing both of those folks.
1: Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to write the book, Paul? It sounded like from the book itself, maybe about a year, which is pretty, pretty impressive. But how, how long did it take you?
0: Yeah, it, re- it, it was about a year. So I had decided to take my family on a Christmas cruise. It was on Christmas of 2016 that I made the decision that I wanted to take my family on a cruise Christmas of 2007. So I immediately started researching. And in the process of researching that particular cruise was when I decided you know, I'm, I want to write about these people. So I would, I would say it was Christmas of seventeen. I decided to take a cruise on Christmas of eighteen, and the the culminating chapter was the cruise at
2: Christmas. That's really fast. Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Super impressive too. I I, I identify more with he was the comedian that you interviewed who said he'd been working on writing a book for fifteen years and just hadn't started yet. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he he was really hard to interview because. I couldn't tell when he was being funny and, or when he was being serious, and I was I was just cracking up the entire interview. Um, well,
1: speaking speaking of sort of your your characters as you call them, like, how did you how did you find these folks? It sounds like a lot of them came through cruise groups that you were a part of, but maybe just also meeting people on board. What, where did you find folks to talk to?
0: It was really by luck. On, on the day that I decided to write this book. I did not have a single person committed to be featured. And so I just started reaching out to people who I felt other cruisers would want to read about. And so I would would send an email cold, and most of these folks blew me off because who was I? I was just some anonymous voice on the internet. But then I started to get a couple of successes. And, and then, you know, maybe some of the successes would refer someone else to And then even some of the folks who blew me off initially, you know, once I kind of got a little bit of credibility and I could name drop a little bit, and I can say, you know, such and such is has agreed to be in the book, then their answer would change a little bit. Instead of uh, blowing me off, you know, it was things like, I'd be honored to be in the book.
1: Yeah, I I also sympathize with what you're talking about, Paul, Starting having started a, a new podcast in the community. It's just cold calling people a lot of times and just seeing, you know, would, would you be willing to come on and... Sometimes you, you're surprised at uh, who's sort of willing to, to come on. And then I think it's also just, it's interesting for me about the cruise community in particular is people love to share their passion for it. And Disney, especially, everyone wants to. Anyone in the Disney community loves to talk about Disney. So It's not hard, it's not hard to find well, people willing to talk about it.
2: Well, that's because they bore their family members talking about <laughs> Disney. And So they'd rather talk to somebody, to people like us who are really interested in talking about Disney. So...
1: So, so Paul, you had a whole section of the book on kind of the younger generation in cruising. And I think that there has, there had been a perception for a long time. I think you called this out in the book that cruising was really for older people It was a way for, um, you know, retirees to vacation. It wasn't for the younger crowd, but you interviewed quite a few younger folks about cruising. I'm curious, were you surprised to find the sort of level of passion there in the younger community around cruising?
0: I was, I was, you know, cruising has, has long had the, the stigma of being for elderly people. But, you know, once I started researching, I found that there was a whole, again, to use the word I used earlier, a subculture of young people. And in fact, I, I ended up including a section in the book called Cruising's Young and Restless. And one of the features in that section is actually the very first person who agreed to be in the book. Her name is, is Emma. She is the creator of a, a blog website called Cruising Isn't Just for Old People. And at 23, she won UK's Wave Award for Top Cruise blogger.
1: Yeah, we follow Emma's uh, YouTube blog, Emma Cruises now, and it's, it's huge. Yeah, she's, uh, she's really great. What about the, so, so speaking of the, the sort of the vloggers and the influencers, was it surprising to see that level of sort of passion out there in the community that people really wanted to start whole vlogs, blogs, podcasts, uh, sort of around the topic?
0: Yeah, it was. It was. And that one of the things that helped motivate me to write the book, that people had so much passion about what I had a passion for. They had so much passion for it that they went out and they did something. So some of them uh, went out and started a blog. Some of them went out and started a themed cruise, a charter uh, cruise company. Some some wrote books. I have, some, you know, I profile someone in there who has written a book about cruise. The bloggers and influencers were kind of an easy choice because, you know, they were someone who
1: embodied acting on your passion. It's, it's, it is that theme of passion that carries through each of the stories in the book. It's almost like every person had a passion for travel, a passion for cruising, and then, you know, a passion for something else that the cruising was enabling in some way or a way for them to connect the two things together. I thought that the piece you did around the themed motorcycle cruise was just fascinating. Someone who was saying, I just, I want to take my motorcycle with me and I want to ride it in these ports. I'm going to go spend, I think as you said, two years of that, uh, of his life, trying to figure out the legalities of doing that and then taking it back to a, a cruise company and saying, so I want to do this. So yeah, that was, it was, it was really fascinating just the, the, the connection of the passion. I, I also was sort of really struck by the, the passion people, several people in the book had for sort of giving back into the community. And I was, I was wondering if you wanted to comment on any of the stories in the book where you sort of highlighted these people who were really interested in that kind of giving back into the community.
0: Yeah, several of them. You know, one, uh, talking about theme cruises, since you brought theme cruises up, you know, one theme cruise is called uh, Festival at Sea, And it is the oldest, most successful African-American cultural cruise. And one of the things, and they've been doing this for almost 30 years. And one of the things that they do on every cruise, they do do one uh, once a year, and they do sort of a book drive. And then when they stop, one of the islands, you know, they choose a, an organization and and they bring the book. So when we, the one I went on and it stopped, their private island was Haiti. And so they do, you know, they do a book drive and they've done it for, for almost 30 years. You know, someone else I wrote about, he's big on things like disability and, and ensuring that well, cruise ships are accessi- accessible for people who have physical challenges and things like that. And he's passionate. About that, it, it, and even the motorcycle theme cruise, you know—they they raise money for for charity on on every
2: cruise. Yeah, I loved the profile on your cousin who referred to uh, something she does as cruise ministry. Yes. Yeah. Why don't you yeah. tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, she, she is very, very uh, religiously devout and loves cruising. And, you know, she, she found a way for the two to intertwine. And so she started bringing people who couldn't afford to cruise on cruises. She ministers, if you will, to people through cruising. And, and I just thought that that was moving enough to talk about. And by the way, you know, you know, that's my cousin and, and I hadn't seen her in, in 30 years. And I had no idea that she had this life of travel and cruising.
1: One of the other themes that comes up a lot in your book is bucket list cruising, right? Like the places that cruisers most want to go. What did you find there as you talked to people? Like, What were the consistent themes around places that people wanted to go or cruises that people really wanted to do? And there
0: clearly were consistent things. And I did ask every person that I that I interviewed, I would ask their bucket list. Now there were a few people. I mean, I, I interviewed one person who's been on 350 cruises. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so there were a few people who they've done it all. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, what a standard question with them is for someone who's done it all, how do I ask you what's on your bucket list? <laughs> But 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 the consistent the ones that either showed up on people's bucket list or very memorable cruises that they did probably uh, shouldn't surprise you, Alaska, Panama Canal, Galapagos, you know, various transatlantic cruises, where it came up a lot and what I was going to there's a section planned in my next book, if I ever do my next book, on World <laughs> Cruises. There were a number of people who had a world cruise as their bucket list item, but there were a couple of people who who, as you know, were featured in the book who had done world cruising. My cruising has been influenced by asking people what's on their bucket list because you know now all of those bucket list cruises are on my bucket <laughs> list. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna say that.
1: <laughs> you, you know, the other the other group of cruisers I think would be really interesting to talk to you. There's people who are living aboard these ships, and I think you sort of may have bumped up against a few of those folks. Did you talk to any of those folks who are sort of like so passionate that they're trying to live on these ships permanently?
0: I tried. So there's one person, you know, you might have heard of him and perhaps and some of your audience has heard of him. His name is Mario. The cruise, uh, the Royal Caribbean crew calls him Super Mario. He's an interesting story. He retired, uh, I guess he was like a Wall Street type, you know, made a lot of money in his 40s and retired. And he took his first cruise right after he retired, and the bug bit him, and he has never stopped cruising. And it's odd because, I mean, I've heard of people who live on a cruise ship, but they live on, like, one ship. What Mario does is he just goes on a series of back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back seven-day cruises, and he's also a cult hero to, to, at least in the Royal Caribbean cruise community. And I reached out to him, and he agreed to be in the book. And something changed because a few days later he he backed out.
3: Wow.
1: Well, I think I read somewhere in one of the stories of your book about like couples that were stringing together multiple back-to-back cruises to get to you know thirty, forty day you know, longer cruises and the, the comment that resonated with me is sort of, I think they said, well, once you do that, you can't really like going back to a seven night cruise is so hard. And I think we've, <laughs> we did an 11 night cruise this past or in 2019. In 2019 and and going back to a four or five night cruise has been a, a struggle. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: We we really love a seven night. So uh, we, we could, I would be happy to do the 11 night again, but we really do enjoy a, a seven night, but yeah, the four, the four or five night thing is just, you know, for us, that's too short. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And so, Paul, you also had a whole section in the book around specialty or theme cruising. Are there any particular theme cruises that really stood out to you, even ones that you sort of read about, but you didn't get someone into the book to, to, to write about?
0: First of all, theme, theme cruising, I, I think theme cruising is great because it's combining two passions. Obviously, everyone on theme cruise has a passion for cruising, but you also have a passion for some other, something else, whatever the theme of the cruise is. Whether it's it's music, cooking, uh, there's wine cruises, there's there's cruises surrounding your faith and your religion. There's a knitting cruise, poker cruise. There's even cruises about risque things that we probably don't want to talk about <laughs> on a Disney
2: podcast. Fair enough.
0: There, there's even a cruise called the Cougar Cruise. I'll, 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 I'll stop right there.
1: Yeah. Well I appreciate the book you said there's the Cougar Cruise and it's not about cats. <laughs> That's right.
0: So if you don't if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up.
1: <laughs> I've
2: seen um, ads occasionally for the, the Golden Girls themed cruise that happens I think every year or every couple of years. But that one it, it you always hear I always hear about it and it's always like sold out within like the first day.
1: I was super fascinated about the stat around, I think in the book you mentioned, Paul, that the new kids on the block cruise is the longest running music, like single artist music cruise and it sells out the fastest. And it's just like, I remember them as a kid and I can't imagine that they're, like, I can't imagine their popularity today. Oh my
2: God. They are very popular with women of approximately my age and a little bit older than me. Yeah, they're very, very popular. Well, I know what
1: cruise just got added to your bucket list. Um, No, (laughs) no. But
0: but, yeah, these cruise, they have intense loyalty. And I would say from, from my research and talking to you know some of the proprietors when they have a cruise the people who are on the ship they probably sell out 60 percent of the next year's cruise by the people who are on the ship so theme cruises are perennial sellouts
2: well and it's it's funny because i think most people who just do regular cruising on most of the major cruise lines are, are not used to having to sort of book that far in advance and and you know and decide that far in advance that they're going to go on those cruises, I think Disney cruisers are a little bit different because they're kind of like themed cruisers to begin with, right? Yeah. I mean, I would say di- the, the whole brand is a theme. Exactly, the whole brand of Disney of D- Disney Cruise Line is a themed cruise, and so Disney cruisers book earlier and they tend to be repeat cruisers even more. I would say, uh, meaning repeat cruisers who are loyal to a specific brand than I think mm-hmm. on a, a lot of the other lines. No, I don't,
1: I, I don't know about that for two reasons. One is I think there are a lot of people who are super loyal to like royal caribbean oh there are no question the other thing is for disney cruisers the reason we have to book early is there's no such thing as a sale like sure and there's only four ships the cheapest price you can get is the opening day price and then it just goes up from there so yeah
2: well i think it's it's also just a demand you know a a supply and demand issue right there's only four ships and so you you don't have the multitude of options that you have on like royal or carnival or some of the other large brands
1: well, so, um, Paul, I think we've hit on some of your uh, your favorites and stories you weren't able to tell, but are there are there sort of any others that you'd add in there, a favorite story out of the book or some, you know, somebody that you really wanted to profile, but you just, you just didn't get them in there?
0: One person I really wanted to profile. So you remember the series, The Love Boat.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. A publishing
0: consultant that I work with. She had a relationship with the, uh, they call her The Love Boat Lady. Mm-hmm. So I reached out, you know, she connected me with her. At, at the time, she was close to ninety years old. Mm-hmm. She has since passed, but I, I was hoping to feature her in the book, but uh, wasn't able to make that work. So uh, the Love Boat lady and then Super Mario mm-hmm. are, two, are two that I missed. And in terms of my my favorite stories in the book, you know, you mentioned the the, the guy, the marathon runner. Mm-hmm. So just for your audience. His claim to fame, it sounds a little bit like Gwyneth's Book of Royal Records or Ripley's Believe It or Not, but, but his claim to fame is he has run a marathon on every cruise ship in Royal Caribbean's fleet. And so that's pretty amazing. He, he's run a marathon, up, I think it's up to like 29, 29 ships. And so that sounds like a tremendous story in and of itself. And he's done other things. Mean, he, he runs, he, he's running the Boston Marathon, he's running the New York Marathon, so on. However, as, as you know, because you read the book, that's not even the most amazing part of his story. You have to get all the way to the end of his feature to realize, you know, running a marathon on, on every ship in their fleet, that's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But then, there's a sort of a, for lack of a better phrase, a coup de grace at the end. And it just blows me away. And in fact, just to give your audience a little bit of a hint, I think the last line in his profile or in his feature, I call him the luckiest
1: man in the world. We will not give away the ending. Yeah, but I do. I do remember what you're talking about there. Paul, you mentioned a few times now the, the second book. I don't know how far along you are with it. Is there anything you can tell us about it? Anything you're particularly excited about for maybe some of the, the stories that you already have racked up for it?
0: Well, I tell you, I have been in mourning, and you are part of my uh, my recovery. <laughs> so let me give you the background. So, so the, the joy of cruising was such a blast to write, and I love cruising so much that it was an easy decision to write a sequel. So I started writing the sequel in October, and I titled it More Joy. And the plan was for the book to be published in time for holidays of 2020. And so, you know, I I conducted about half of the interviews and the writing and and was making really good progress into, you know, March of this year and then Rona hit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that decimated cruising. I mean, cruising... It's pretty much, you know, for a while, cruising was in critical condition. There are some who would say cruising will never come back. So, you know, for me to lose my passion of cruising... And then my second passion of writing, you know, I was devastated. And so I completely stopped writing in March and I started feeling a little sorry for myself. You know, I was moping around because, you know, I felt that what I loved got taken away from me. And since March, you know, I've been kind of adrift. Mm-hmm. You see what I did there?
2: <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's a, but yeah, no, I think we're 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 all grieving, right? In a way, I know it's a different kind of grieving, and I, I don't want to compare it at all to anyone who's lost, you know, a family member, a loved sure. one. But um, sure, sure. but we are, you know, those of us who really love to cruise and, and frankly, anyone who likes to vacation at all. Right. I mean, this has really changed our world.
0: So I'm recovering from from being in mourning. And I, and I say that, you know, I, you know I recognize hundred and some odd thousand people have lost their lives. And this is a trivial thing and a first world problem. But, you know, the process of coming back has started and you all helped it out a lot. When you first reached out to me, you know, I needed that. And so I kind of uh, gotten back to writing. The book now has a new title or tentative title. It's called Cruising Interrupted. Mm. I want to retain the fun, upbeat feel. That the first book had, but you know clearly I have to address COVID nineteen. You know I just can't act like it, it has not happened. So I'm going to find a way to do that. A uh, Another ways to do that, uh, uh, like the people I've interviewed, I plan to go back to all of them and get a add a piece about just specific to coronavirus. And then one of the people that I'm going to profile in the new book, in in fact, I mentioned her earlier when I talked about that that writing consultant who who knew the Love Boat Lady. turns out she was on one of these, it was a princess cruise, I can't remember which ship, I mean, just a few weeks ago. And they were floating around, drifting around from port to port because no country would allow them to die. And then and, and she's finally, you know, she's finally back. She lives in California. So she's finally back at home. So I mean, this is an up close and personal story. So I'm gonna feature her story in the book. And that clearly will be a very much a coronavirus related story. So you know, I have to acknowledge in the right in my writing coronavirus. But yes, I, I'm back on track. Clearly, it's not gonna happen before the holidays. of of this year, but it's tentatively going to be early 2021.
1: So Paul, you tell a lot of great stories about some other people in your book, and you you kind of weave in some about yourself uh, here and there throughout, but I thought it would be interesting just to ask you a few questions about your own cruising experience. So so Paul, how, how many cruises have you been on?
0: I've been on, I believe, 13, and my first cruise was in 1988. It was one of the first cruises on what was called Sovereign of the Sea at the time. was truly, truly a game changer. It was uh, by far the largest ship in the world when it was introduced. And again, because it was my first cruise, I didn't have much. You know, I didn't have any basis for comparison. But I talked to to a lot of uh, seasoned cruisers, and so you know, that's how I can say confidently it was truly. a a game changer it's funny how now that cruise would be considered small or that cruise ship would be considered small but yeah that was my first cruise i was a big i I did a lot of travel but i was big on. i I loved all-inclusive you know going to resorts where you can eat all you want and drink all you want and do all your activities and all of that and cruising kind of replicated you know that that all-inclusive atmosphere of course, you know you had to you had to pay for your drinks, but but other than that, you know everything was included. So I decided to try it. I was hesitant because you know I'm not going to tour. I can't swim. You know I grew up in Brooklyn, nowhere near any water, and uh, so I could I couldn't swim. You know into my thirties, and the other uh, thing, that, you know, I had hesitation about getting on a cruise ship because you know I didn't know if I would get seasick, and I didn't want to spend all that money and then find out that I'm sick the whole week. So, but I finally took that first cruise on Sovereign and, wow, what was I waiting for? I mean, I got, <laughs> I got immediately hooked, as most people do on their first, no, not all, but most people get hooked after one cruise. So, yes. so yeah, that was uh, my first cruise. And then as a, as a young parent, uh, we cruise a lot on Carnival. With my daughters, because Carnival was a, you know sort of a a, a budget cruise line is all I could afford and could take my my kids. So we did several Carnival cruises. In fact, I didn't return. You know, Sovereign Seas was Royal Caribbean. I didn't return to Royal Caribbean until uh, a couple of years ago, thirty years later. So I've been on uh, Disney, uh, Royal Caribbean, uh, Celebrity, uh, NCL. I think that's it.
2: So it sounds like you don't have brand loyalty. Would that be? (laughs) And I don't mean that in a negative way. There are some people though, who have, you know, one cruise line that they always cruise on, or maybe one or two that they always cruise on. And it sounds like you've got a lot of variety in your cruise history. Is that intentional?
0: Yeah. I, I, I like, I like the variety. I'm not tired. Now I will say right now, probably the, the cruise uh, line that I, uh, you know, I'm kind of tied to is is Royal, mainly because the age, uh, you know, I, I cruise mainly for my grandkids and mm-hmm. they are 10 and 16 right now. And so Royal tends to have a lot of activities for that age group. So, so I traveled on uh, that, that Christmas cruise that was sort of the, the culmination of the book. That was on Anthem of the Seas. That was Royal. And then I went on Harmony of the Seas. That was my last cruise, August of 19. And the cruise that was just canceled was going to be on Royal. So on that cruise, that was uh, Independence of the Seas. So you mentioned the uh, godmother. So that's the ship that she was the godmother of. And as you know, in the book, I have a photo of her portrait, you know, all godmothers' portraits, on the crew or on the ship that they're the godmother of so i have her standing next to her portrait so for the follow-up book what i was going to do is uh have my grandkids stand next to her portrait and take a photo and that was going to be in more joy what it was going to be called but obviously that cruise is not going to happen so i'm kind of on a royal uh pick right now because of the age of my grandkids but you know they're getting, you know, especially the 16 year old, he's not gonna wanna do things with, with grandparents soon. So <laughs> we'll start focusing on more just cruises for for my wife and myself, and we'll we'll start ticking off some of those those bucket list cruises. You know, we were gonna the one to the med Mediterranean was just gonna be us. So right now I'm on a Royal Kick but but I'm I'm cruise agnostic. I go on various
2: lines. <laughs> yeah, I I think Royal is Royal and Disney are often compared to one another because they they definitely have a lot of overlap of their sort of target demographics.
1: It's a good point you raise about sort of the demographics on the ship because Sam and I have sailed with my folks a few times on different cruise lines that skew more toward the older uh, end of cruising and it, it you still feel a little out of place. So I think you got to find the cruise line that sort of meets your needs and balances out the, the sort of the, the age demographics, the activities, all of that sort of stuff. The entertainment, so, yeah. yeah. I think it's good to be cruise agnostic at times, but yeah, yeah. We're, we're just trying to march toward our platinum loyalty with, uh, with Disney. And then we might branch out and try a few other cruise lines ourselves, but yeah,
2: I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll see i might for the right destination i am willing to branch out well that's the thing disney
1: is very limited destinations at this point so yeah aside from some of the sort of i guess obvious like you know cuba panama canal transatlantic those sorts of things that might appear on a bucket list anything that's on your list of like different lines that you wanted to try different types of cruising like river cruising that you wanted to try is any of that on your on your list anything catch your attention there
0: uh, in fact, in my follow-up book, I was going to do write fairly extensively about small ship cruising, river cruising, barge cruising, which I had never heard about.
1: Yeah, I hadn't heard about it either.
0: Yeah, until I, I, I interviewed uh, one of the folks in, in the first book. And so, yeah, those kinds of opportunities appeal to me. Now, I wouldn't do those with my grandkids. And I actually think those small ship cruises and, and, and river cruises and barge cruises, I think they will be relatively unharmed by coronavirus re- versus the big cruise lines. But yeah, I I would like to do some of those. I certainly like to do luxury cruising. Of course, I don't have luxury cruising <laughs> money. But you know, uh, you know, I, you read a couple of profiles in, in, in the first book about, you know, luxury cruising. I certainly love to go on Winstar Viking and Seaborn and all of those boutique lines. So yeah, that's that's certainly in my future as as uh, as my grandkids age out, if you will.
1: Yeah, we just booked our first. River cruise through uh, Adventures by Disney. We're doing a Christmas markets river cruise in December of 2021. From I forget the name. It's essentially Munich, but it's actually a port about two hours from Munich. Uh, from Munich to Budapest, and we're like, I'm just super excited about this cruise. I'm a little apprehensive because it's not the Disney Cruise Line experience for our son, and so I'm sort of curious to see how he does. But he he meets all the minimum age requirements, and they're pretty good about keeping kids entertained. So I'm I'm hopeful that he'll he'll enjoy it. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to try river cruising.
0: I, I envy you. You need anybody to carry your bag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Paul, the other question I'd have for you about your own experience is: there is there like a standout memory for you um, uh, from your from your time cruising that you just you you come back to again and again? Something that really stands out for you.
0: You know, the single most memorable cruise was the one that was the uh, sort of the focal point or the end point of of the book, and that was the. Uh, the, the cruise for Christmas, because that was, you know, that was multi-generational cruise. So yeah. it was my wife and I, my daughters and son-in-law, and then my grandchildren. And it was just, uh it was, you know, it was just like a family reunion. It was, it, it was just, it was just wonderful. And, and, and the thing is, the, the itinerary wasn't, you know, wasn't great because the, the cruise ship left out of New York. And the first stop, of the cruise was was in Florida, <laughs> you know. So I live in Florida, so it was, you know, that was kind of ho hum. It was nice. We, you know, we went to, and I'm, I'm I'm actually looking at it on TV where the uh, uh the, the the space launches are.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cape Canaveral. Yeah,
0: Cape Canaveral. So that you know that was our excursion, and then it was supposed to stop on Christmas Day. It was supposed to stop at their private island, and you know because it was Christmas, you know I had gone all out. I had uh, rented a cabana, had rented, you know, uh, jet skis for my door. I mean, you know, yeah. we, we just went we just went nuts. Well then Christmas morning, you know, the, the captain gets on the PA and you know, he he wishes everyone a, a Merry Christmas and then he drops a bomb on us that we were going to have to miss the stop. Oh. Because of high winds. So and then the third stop was in, in in Nassau. And you know, Nassau, we've been to Nassau a zillion times. Right. So that was kind of whole hum. So so it was a very mediocre itinerary, mm-hmm. but it was just so wonderful to be with family. When when people ask me what was my most memorable cruise, I say that one with no hesitation. But I can't tell you much about the itinerary. In fact, <laughs> most of my most of my cruises, because I choose them with my grandkids in mind, mm-hmm. I care more about the ship than I do about the itinerary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I've, all of my itineraries have been sort of, you know, ho hum, you know, Bahamas, Caribbean. I haven't done anything, you know, anything sexy. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the Mediterranean cruise was going to be my first first time of doing something really, you know, extraordinary. So that, that was my, my most memorable cruise. My most memorable experience probably was on that same cruise. You know, a, a, as I said, Royal Caribbean has a lot of stuff for, for that demo, you know, for kids and and, and that demographic. And, and they had uh, on the ship, they had a skydiving sim- simulator. Oh, cool. And, uh, so you know here this sixty something year old uh you know, I got on the skydiving simulator with my granddaughter and my gra- and my daughters, and I mean they were just they they were just so moved by seeing me on the skydiving. i mean they they were moved to tears it, it was pretty sentimental uh because they, i mean there was a time the the one daughter. Uh, who was on the trip? There was a time, a long time ago, when she retaught me how to walk, and that's a long, long story. And that is the subject of—I I actually have a, a, a first book that has nothing to do with cruising,
3: mm-hmm. and that's
0: the subject of my first book. So it was—it was pretty moving and sentimental to, you know, I mean, you now what the, the the trauma I dealt with—I dealt with 30 years ago, but but just to see me. You know, the same daughter who as a six year old uh, helped me relearn to walk now as a as a 30 something year old was was seeing her dad in, in a skydiving simulator. And you can see you can see a video of me doing that on my on my, you know, the, 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 the book has a Facebook page and I have an Instagram account. You can see the video of me doing that.
1: Oh, that's really cool.
0: That was my single most memorable experience on on a cruise.
2: What a beautiful moment. Yeah. Yes, yes.
1: I'll I'll never forget it. The the multi-generational point really resonates with me. My most memorable cruise thus far was uh, one that Sam and I did with my folks when we went on the Panama Canal cruise, actually. And it was really sentimental for my father because at the time my my grandfather had passed and we were on this cruise and he had served in the war gunnery deployment uh, on one end of the Panama Canal as sort of a defense measure. And as we passed that island, I could just tell my dad was really sort of nostalgic about it. Um, and he really wanted to go on that cruise to sort of I think I have a way to connect back to my grandfather a little bit. So Uh yeah, my favorite moment on a cruise though is actually a theme cruise on Disney. They do Star Wars Day at Sea. And my favorite moment was my son getting to meet Chewbacca and standing in line and looking he looked up at us and he, he said with all seriousness, mommy, daddy, Chewbacca is real. <laughs> and, uh, just like that moment just stands out for me in all of our cruises. We'll never, ever forget that. No. Never forget it, <laughs> no. yeah.
2: Well, the, And the cruise we took on the Panama Canal cruise was before our son was born, yeah. so it was, it was years ago and it was, you know, we, we were at a different time of our lives when we were on that cruise too. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. So Paul, we, we have a little segment that we like to do at the end of the very show called Rapid Fire with our guests. Now, mostly Time that's Disney related stuff, and we did toss in a couple of Disney questions, but most of them are just going to be kind of general cruise questions for you. And rapid fire, Sam's favorite part. So I'm going to throw it over to Sam. Sam, take away rapid fire.
2: Okay, Paul. So like like Brian said, a couple of these are Disney questions, but the rest of them are more just general cruising. So what is? And there are no wrong answers. These are your favorites. So what is your favorite Disney character?
0: Uh, That's easy for me. Woody in Toy Story. Yep. Because, you know, I'm just a huge, huge Tom Hanks fan, and I can't, you know, usually when I look at animated characters or cartoon characters, you know, I don't really see the person who is, I recognize the voice, of, you know, if it's a famous voice, I recognize who's doing it, but I don't see the person. When I look at Woody, I, I, I
2: see Tom Hanks. I totally agree. I see Tom Hanks too. The face, they they really—it's not obviously—it's not exact. It's not a cartoonized version of Tom Hanks, but there are something about the features of that face that just resonate.
1: Tom, well, it's Hanks. more than that. You think Tom Hanks, like you would think. If Tom Hanks were a toy, he would be, <laughs> he would, you know what I'm would, saying? He would, yeah. Like he would have his personality yep. want to help his friends. Like he's just the nicest guy in the world. Right. Like when I found out he had COVID-19, I was like, that is our national treasure. Yeah. This Devote is America- all resources to saving. Right? This movie.
2: He's a, like America's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, another, another way of looking at
0: it is I can't imagine anyone else being ordered.
3: hmm
0: Totally. Yeah, for sure.
2: What's your favorite Disney movie?
0: uh, right along the same, along those same lines. I like the Pixar movies. They stand out for me. So Toy Story, Finding Nemo. And I, I really loved Oh.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But then you have to cry like for the first like 20 minutes of the movie. So I mean, I love that movie too, but it always makes me cry. Okay. Favorite cruise line. I know this is going to be hard for you. And if you've got more than one, that's okay. But yeah. Favorite cruise line.
0: And 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 again, that's really just because of where where we are right now. It's the age of my grandchildren. So I would say Royal Caribbean,
2: your favorite ship. Now this doesn't have to be on Royal Caribbean. Just your favorite ship.
0: It really. I would I would say it was the the last, and it was Royal Caribbean, the last cruise I did, the one in in August. It was on uh, Royal's of Harmony of the Seas. So mm-hmm. that's one of those you know mega mm-hmm. uh, you know mega cruise line cruise ships. And 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 that that, that has become my uh, my uh, new favorite ship. In fact, I took a a breathtaking photo of it from. Uh, uh, they have a hot air balloon excursion on their private island, mm-hmm. and from the hot air balloon, I took a photo of the ship. And no one, everyone thinks that that is a Royal Caribbean publicity photo. No one, I shouldn't say no one, but, you know, some people, you know, have a hard time believing that I took that photo. Mm -hmm. And so, so that photo, and I'm not a big photography guy, I guess I got lucky. Uh, (laughs) but, But that photo is the cover of the new book.
2: Oh, cool.
1: Paul, I'm curious, just really fast on those big, huge mega ships that Royal has, like, do you find them overwhelming? I'm I'm just curious about that.
0: No, not at all. I'm not, I, I just don't. Uh uh I, and then they do they do a good job because, you know, I mean there's it, on on how many of seems, I guess it was 6,500 people on there at one time if you include wow. crew. Um and and the only time it was crowded was in the, you know, the main third what are they call the promenade or the main mm-hmm. you know, when they put cheap trinkets on sale. People seem to think that they're getting some kind of bargain. <laughs> you know, so it gets really, really crowded on the main, uh, main thoroughfare. But other than that, you know, there were times where you couldn't believe that there were 6,500 people on the ship.
2: Wow. Yeah. Okay, favorite onboard dining experience?
0: Well, you know, up until, up until the, that last cruise,
2: the one on Harmony,
0: I had never tried specialty dining. You know, I'm one of those guys where, you know, food is included and so why should I pay extra? You know, I was being cheap. But but something made me, I don't know what made me try, but something made me try a dining plan, uh, and and I can tell you uh, unequivocally, I will never take a cruise again without taking advantage of specialty dining. Yeah. It was Fantastic. The best place was on several of their uh, royal ships. They have something called a uh, Wonderland, which was themed on uh, Alice in Wonderland, mm. and it's mm. unlike any restaurant experience at least that I've had on land, and that that I you know I, that I think most people have had on land. I guess somewhere there are places that you know they they get into. Uh, it's it's more putting on a show. The, the food tastes good, but but the experience is as much a part of it than 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 the food. Cool. That's the answer to my, your question. My favorite uh, experience was called Wonderland.
2: Nice. I do like immersive dining and entertainment experiences, so that definitely sounds like one to uh, put on the list. Okay, your favorite port?
0: You know, as I mentioned, you know, my my cruising to this point has sort of been your boring, you know, Bahamas, mm-hmm. Caribbean. So. Now, now I did have one really nice destination on my last cruise. We went to uh it stopped in uh, St time mm-hmm. uh, It did stop in St. Thomas, but the, the one I was going to mention is is St Martin. so as as I said earlier, you know cruising is sort of one feel of cruising is you get to sample destinations and then decide if it's some place that you would like to to come back to. Mm-hmm. So we stopped at St Saint, St Martin. And in the words of the Terminator, I'll be back. <laughs> I don't know when I'll ever take a land-based vacation again because I'm so hooked on cruising. But yeah. my next land-based vacation, I think I want to go to St. Martin. So so that that's the favorite uh, place I've been. In, in my book, a standard question was to, to each of the people I profiled was what their favorite port was. And Barcelona came up over and over again. Now, you know, I, there were a number of people in the book, a, a third of the, the people I profiled were out of Europe. So so Barcelona, Barcelona came up a lot. And that had a lot to do with why, uh, you know, I chose the Mediterranean cruise that that I chose because it deports out of uh, Barcelona. So we're going to, well, we were until we canceled, we were going to fly to uh, Barcelona and spend a few days enjoying the city and then uh, leave from there. So that's the one that, you know, that, that's the the port that's on my, my bucket list.
2: Yeah, I have not sailed out of there on any cruises, but I've been to Barcelona and it's a, a really fascinating, beautiful place. I, s- I noticed I skipped a question, which was, what is your favorite onboard activity Now um, let's set aside the, the skydiving simulator, because that obviously was a spectacular memory for you, but favorite onboard or other than that, your favorite onboard activity.
0: You know, most of the time on board, I just like to chill. I I like, I like to watch my grandkids have fun. Mm -hmm. So, you know, probably the, the, Uh, an activity that stood out, you know, it sounds, uh, maybe I'm a boring person, it's kind of boring, but we went to a, uh, we went to a bourbon tasting. And uh, the, the problem is we chose to go to the bourbon tasting. It wasn't scheduled. We found out about it. And, but we chose to go to it after we had gone to, the casino had a mimosa happy hour, Mimosas <laughs> most were like, I think, a dollar. So we had had quite a few mimosas, and then we found out about this bourbon tasting, and we went to the bourbon tasting, and, you know, I slept half the day away. <laughs> I
2: was going to say, it sounds like a rough next day, maybe, or a rough <laughs> evening. Yeah. Uh, so
0: I know that that doesn't sound very glamorous as a favorite cruise
2: activity, but it was memorable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Or, or potentially forgettable. <laughs> or- <laughs>
2: okay so our my last question for you is bucket list cruise and i know we've talked a lot and it sounds like you have a bunch on that list but yeah what's top of the list
0: we'll probably reschedule the med cruise that we the the one we canceled and you know and and what one of the reasons now i wasn't planning to do it this time but maybe now that i have time to like think and 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 figure out One of the things I wanted to do on my med cruise was maybe get to meet some of the people in Europe, particularly in UK, who I
2: profiled in the book. Well, that'd be cool.
0: Yeah. Now, one of them I had met, Flavia Gray, she came over to Florida. She visits Florida from time to time. So when she came over, so I got to meet her, and then she was coming over again, and I was doing a book talk at a... uh, a senior center, actually. And it was during the time that she was a couple hours away. And I told her about it and she actually came to the book talk. So, you know, I I did PowerPoint slides and I had her picture up on the slide. And I said, now this person, such and such, and such, such. And then I said, and here she is. And she stood up. Oh, so cool. Yeah, that was kind of cool. So, but yeah, one of, one of the things I would like to do is combine a med cruise with somehow seeing some of the people that I've written about. But yeah, that that's probably first med. I, I'm indifferent between Panama Canal and, and Alaska. All of them are so attractive. I don't know that anyone is, is the second one I have to after the May
1: Cruise. Well, it's the great thing about cruising, Paul. There's so many possibilities out there. I think someone said in your book, when they step on board and go through embarkation, it's like, you know, the the excitement of what adventure awaits them next. So Paul, it's been really great talking to you. your passion for cruising as a parent. And I really appreciate you sort of collating and gathering the stories of a bunch of other passionate cruisers and sharing them out with the community. I'm actually looking forward to your next book when it uh, when it comes out. And so, you know, thanks thanks for coming on. It's been great talking to you.
0: It's been great being on your show and you you know as I said when you first reached out to me that was a, uh, a breath of fresh air and now that, that we've had this, this conversation later today I will uh, uh, get to writing <music>
1: It was just a lot of fun talking to Paul this evening. His book is really worth a read if you are an avid cruiser. It's a collection of some really great profiles. We barely scratched the surface of some of those this evening, and a lot of them are just really interesting and worth reading. So you can head over to your favorite book retailer. I know you can pick it up on Amazon, but it's called The Joy of Cruising. It's a great book. It sounds like Paul is going to start working on the sequel or has already started working on the sequel, and we're looking forward to buying a copy when it comes out. Paul's got another book out there. There that details his own journey and recovery, as he mentioned a little bit on the show. And, and Paul is an amazing and just such a positive influence in the cruise community. So if you want to check out a little bit more about his story, you can also pick up that book. So we love to support Paul in any way we can. He, he is a really positive influence out there in the community. To that end, we're actually going to give away a copy of Paul's book. It's such a great book. We wanted to give a copy out to one of our lucky listeners. So if you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star written review between when this episode comes out, which is June 11th and June 17th, We'll throw names of folks who leave us a review into a a drawing, draw a name, and we will get a copy of the book and send it out to you. Then we'll announce the winner on our June 18th show. With that, we also wanted to be sure to read one of our reviews on the air, one of our recent reviews on the air. So this review is coming from Jennifer E. S. And she writes, fun and informative. Love the podcast. Great, upbeat Disney podcast while still being honest and informative. Would love to hear more about the Panama Canal Cruise. We would love to tell you more about the Panama Canal Cruise. Actually actively looking for a guest who's taken the cruise on Disney so that we can kind of compare and contrast our experience cruising through the Panama Canal on Celebrity admittedly many many years ago now but compare and contrast our experience cruising through the canal on Celebrity with someone who's done it on Disney and frankly we would love to do it on Disney so we'd love to hear a little bit more about someone else's experience there so if you or someone you know has done that cruise and would like to be a guest on the show please reach out to us with that we just want to thank everyone again for listening this week please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week please also be sure to head over to Apple podcasts if you're enjoying the podcast and leave us a five-star review especially helpful if you leave us uh, a written review. Really helps make the podcast more visible out there in the community. Helps us get more listeners. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at DCL Duo. Also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. And as I said last show, we're, we're planning to put up some more video content here in the coming weeks. So please head over there, subscribe, check it out. DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on this show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company on your Disney cruise line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.